this morning precious wonderful Lord Jesus it's before your name that we bow here today Lord before the pure word of God before your presence Lord no other altar we bowing at this morning no other altar of our ideas or another man's ideas or thoughts or wants Lord but before your altar we love you so much we worship you father with our whole hearts today Thank you for your goodness and your mercy, Lord, that are still following us every day because your word says so. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in this place once again, Lord, with saints of such like precious faith. But most importantly, Lord, I want to say thank you again for keeping your word that where two or three were gathered in that name. You said you'd be in your midst. And here you are today, Lord God, confirming and vindicating yourself true Yet once again, before our very eyes, Lord, as we change your the service to the ministry of your word, we believe your word is the most important. Or we love to worship, we love to sing, Lord, and it does something to us. It, it runs off unclean spirits. It, it breaks the power of the enemy by that praise and that worship. But Lord, that word, when it comes forth, it lifts us up higher into a realm, Lord, that uh, heights we never dreamed possible to be that close to you, Lord Jesus. Speak to us once again. Let me go sit down and take my seat, as it were, Lord, and just come get me when you're done. Speak to your people today, Lord, your wonderful words of life. Draw us closer and nearer to thee, we ask, Lord Jesus. Help us, we pray. 
Satan, I come against you once again right now. You've been scratching, you've been howling, you've been throwing your little fits, but you're defeated. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take every spirit in this room under my control, and I say, Satan, you're not welcome here. You're in a fence to the Holy Ghost. Leave. Lord God, let your word come forth this morning with such power that no spirit out of hell can even scratch or claw their way back into this room, Lord. Have your way here today. We humbly bow before you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. 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 God bless you this morning. God bless you while you're standing. If you'll take your Bibles, maybe that won't fall. Turn to Psalms chapter 50. God bless you. Each one is so wonderful to see you here today. I promise you God's got something real good for you. I promise you. With all my heart, I promise you that. God's got something real good for you. Say amen when you get there. Psalms chapter 50, verse 1. <clears throat> Give you our title right here at the very beginning, the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare. The mighty God, even the Lord. There we go. The mighty God, even the Lord, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God hath shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. <coughs> you love the Lord? Amen. Now, as we've said many times that, that you're not being called to a picnic, this is going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in all your life. You're going to be offended. You have your feelings hurt. You're going to be probably physically assaulted. This is the hardest thing you'll have to do is walk in the light of this day. But there's nothing more rewarding than what God has for you in this life. There's many tests, toils, trials, furnaces of fire, dens of lions, you name it, Isle of Patmoses, uh, burning uh, kettles of oil, prisons underneath the city where it's cold and dark and drippy and, and scary, but there's a reward that comes with this. Our brother Paul would tell you that kind of reward I'll press toward. I'll press toward. That's not a just kind of shuffle my feet along and if I get there, I get there. No, no matter what stands in my way, I'm pressing toward that mark. Ain't nothing going to stop me from getting to that mark. Now, that's the part of your heart, your life, your experience that you got to have with God. you got to have that part in your, just to be real basic as we laying out our foundation here, you got to have your basic experience with God. You've got to have your burning bush experience. You've got to have your backside of the desert experience. There's no such thing as you come to the church and say, I go to that church now, I've got an experience with God, that you put your name on our book, we don't have a book, that you shake my hand, any of those things, and say, now I've received an experience with God. I've received the new birth. I've received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's not a thing in the actual Bible. That's man-made creeds. But what the Bible teaches is how to get in that kingdom of heaven, it requires a birth. It's not something hard, not something complicated. You very simply just have to die. Strange, isn't it? You got to die to have a birth. But there's so much uh, paradoxical truth in the value of a seed. And, and it's just the simplicity and the greatness of our God hidden in a seed will blow your, blow your, blow your head right off of it. It's just, it's out of this world. That seed won't help you in its hand. Even though it's an actual seed, it's got to die and rot 
before we can be quickened and bring it back to life. Now, once it's done, now we're back on the journey. It's ready to bear fruit. It's ready to be watered. It's ready to be uh, sunlight. All those things to grow it and make it stronger. Now we're talking about the body of the Lord. You being in this part of this army, part of this, this weapon that you have been used to combat the enemy. Now, as you start your basic day of, uh, of, of your duty, you understand that the enemy that you'll fight is defeated. Already defeated. However, he's a very worthy adversary. However, he's the best con man you ever heard of. However, he's the best liar you'll ever meet. However, he'll trick you, he'll con you, he'll bluff you if you believe him. Now, and it's not just like you'll see him once a year, you'll see him once every five years. Every second of your day, he's there. He's talking, he's lying, he's twisting, he's manipulating. He's all these things to try to get you to doubt your armor, to doubt the word, to pull you away from your God. Because once doubt comes in, you're defeated. You get whooped. You were not created to be defeated. Never at any time were you created to be defeated. You were created to be a mighty conqueror. You were created just like Jesus. The Lord God told Eve back there, your seed will put his foot upon that serpent and bruise him. Now, that's ender. You understand that that promise was given before the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost had not been yet given. That was for that 2,000 years telling them this is what can be done all because of the seed, all because you're the seed of God, all because you're the seed of God. But what happens when that seed comes alive? Now what will that seed do to the enemy? The Bible has differing calculations, differing way that it forms a variable to understand the mathematics of God. It says that one will chase a thousand in the Old Testament. One will chase a thousand under the blood of bulls and goats. One will chase a thousand. I'm no longer talking about men of this world, armies, captains, hosts. I'm talking about we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. That's who you wrestle with every second of the day. So if under the blood of bulls and goats that one of you could chase a thousand, and two of you puts 10,000 to flight. One of us did one, two of us did 10. Man, this keeps growing. And I'll remind you again, under the blood of bulls and goats, what does it do under the blood of the most precious cell and hemoglobin and blood cell created by the power of God and enwrapped cell up on top of cell on top of cell until it produced an atonement, a sacrifice that literally brought you from this side of the chasm into his very presence. What will that do to you? No longer just the blood of bulls and goats. No longer just pushing it forward a year. No longer just covering it over and God having mercy in your ignorance and your weakness and things you could overcome. Now something's been given where you can't overcome. You will not overcome the devil without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You will never overcome the devil without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. No wonder so many people telling you you don't need it. Where'd that come from? The devil. The devil would, of course, get you to doubt your armor. So here's what you imagine. You're standing there at your, 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 your army, and the army's passing out. Brother Brown always talked about the packs. He'd give you a 180-pound pack and put on your back, and, and that young private, that young soldier, didn't like carrying it around, didn't like all those things that was in that pack. But if he wasn't given that pack, as soon as he got out there in the battle, he'll need everything that's in that pack. 
Very simple, very basic. All of God is, God can make himself very simple if you understand. So if he left the pack back at the camp, if he left it wherever and said, I don't need that, he gets out there, he's done. But you're given a way to overcome. You're given a way to defeat the enemy. So if Satan's standing at the line of the local army and all these packs are being passed out, he hides yours, kicks it under the bed where nobody can see that you needed it. And you walk out there ignorantly, think you didn't have it. Here comes the fight. Here comes the test. You're down. See, God has given you many things to overcome the enemy with. First of all is just believing. God, not the enemy. Just believe him. Satan will tell you all the time. Satan wants you to believe him all the time. He wants you to believe his lie. He wants you to believe his, his twisting, his, his manipulation. But Satan's defeated and Satan's the father of lies. Satan had, had success with angels. You understand what, how that makes you different than an angel? The Bible talks about what is man that God made him a little bit lower than an angel. You understand that you would have been in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. That's common basic message teaching. That just teaches Romans 8 about the predestination for foreknowing election of the seed of God. But before you were actually brought into this physical body that angels created before you, basic, before Genesis 1-1, angels created before you. And Lucifer, in all that he was, he would have been the cherubim that sat before the throne. You couldn't come to the throne, to the altar, the mercy feet, see, without coming through Lucifer. And Lucifer, the prophet, would tell you, through his preaching, his twisting, his changing things, deceived one-third of the angels. One-third of the angels who had never known nothing but the perfect I am. Through his twisting, lying, manipulating, whatever, whatever that conversation looked like, he was able to get one-third of the angels to fall away from the presence of God. Now, you're not an angel. See, this is where faith versus sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. They were there for, let's say, an eon. Let's say a trillion years, if it was counting time then. I don't think there was, but let's say for a trillion years, their eyes are looking at the I am. Their eyes are seeing that he's real. Their eyes are seeing ain't nobody as powerful as him. Looking right at him all day long. You walk in this presence, the first thing you do is fall to your knees. The first thing you do is cover your face. Isaiah 6, six wings, two over the face, two over the body, two flying around all day long. Holy, holy, holy. You can't help this but in the presence of the Almighty. He is God and he's God alone. They're looking right there at him all day long. And Satan was still able to twist him, able to lie, able to manipulate. Can you imagine? We've lived in a world that, that, that nothing seems to be true, that it's always changing. If you were to look at a municipality, at a government, at even school curriculum, it's always changing. It's never constant. There's no absolute out there anywhere. There's only one absolute. It's in the word of God. So if you look at your life, You've heard nothing but doubt. You've heard nothing but unbelief. You've only ever seen the dark, the negative, and the things of this world that only end in death. Yet here comes along that seed of God in you, and you see light one time. There it is. There. See, I've been looking at death all day long, but when light walks in, I see light right away. I saw that light. There's something special about the woman at the well sitting there telling all in her bad day or uh, maybe at lowest points. Maybe she'd been insulted on the way out. Maybe on the way out of Samaria, they threw some rotten tomatoes, some extra rotten eggs, and said, there she goes again. Look at the Rahab of our day. Walking out here, look at that girl. She might have walked up at the well that day. It's down as down could be. Defeated as defeated as could be. But in her very lowest moment, darkest part of the day of her walk, he was there. Had her head down the ground, probably discouraged as discouraged can be. And he walked up and says, I am he. 
I can only imagine, you know, the prophet, again, the simplicity of God talks about a dew drop right about the break of day. You ever seen a dew drop on a blade of grass? You ever seen the, the dew over grass as it turns to fog and starts shaking to go back up in the atmosphere? But the prophet said that little dew drop starts shaking. When it comes in the presence of that light, it starts to shaking and quivering. It's being drawn back up somewhere. I can only imagine as she walks into his presence. So many times the prophet would tell you in the prayer line, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That, that's, that's not going to hurt you. That presence isn't going to hurt you. You know she walked up there and initially felt, sent something. I don't know what it is. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. And then this man starts talking to you. Wait a minute now. It's not customary that you a Jew would speak to me a Samaritan. It's not customary in all these different things. But he kept talking. He kept sowing that word of God. And eventually that thing come right to life. And she said, I believe that. Come see a man that told me everything I ever done. Come see a man. Come see a man. She glad that seed of God in your heart. Aren't you glad for that seed of God in your life? You think it might where you've been. Most of us, I don't know if there's any of us outside of my kids really born in this part of the state, but God in his mercy moved us around, put us in a certain place where word would come forth and you heard that word and you said that ain't nothing but the truth. These aren't my words. These aren't my thoughts. These aren't my objective, my motive, my will, those things. That is nothing but the revealed word of our hour. Not Paul's day, not Irenaeus' day, not even William Branham's day. See, there was a one-man anointing. There was that prophet with the ram, and I highly reverence that man. If you know me very well at all, I believe with all my heart that was that prophet spoken of in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. I believe that's Revelation 10, 7, and I can point so many other times in the Scripture, that man was spoken of, that gift, that use of God right there, but that Eliezer turned you to someone else. It was not to him. It was not to the denomination of William Branham. It was not the voice of God recordings. It was to the great I am that told that woman at the well, said, I am he that does speak to thee. That's the mighty God. That's the great I am. That's who's in you right now if you've received that new birth. Brother, can we have the, turn the fans on? <coughs> we got the air conditioner fixed this week. Praise the Lord, we got the air conditioner fixed this week. I thank God for that. We, a friend of mine was able to, I said, move mine from here and put it in here. And if you open up that door in there, you'll think you used a sledgehammer to do it because he couldn't get it to fit, but he made it fit. So we're working. So we're working. And like I said, once we add on, we'll put a new system in and all that. But, but I appreciate the Lord working that out. I had this on my heart to preach. Uh, and it was kind of torn about Wednesday night. I wanted, I knew it was going to be hot in here and, and I wanted to have service and I don't mind sweating. I obviously, you look at me now and tell me I don't mind sweating, but, but I wanted, I want you to be comfortable. I don't want anybody getting sick or anything like that. So I uh, still had this put on my heart to preach. And, and even though I was on my heart to have church and wanted to have church Wednesday night, I felt like that I should preach this today. This was just on my heart to preach today. So it's kind of a torn thing and finally just, okay, we'll just, we'll just, we'll cancel service for tonight. And I really enjoyed our fellowship Wednesday night over the, I, I think that was wonderful for us as a body to have that. That was, that was really precious to me. And I know that, like I said, we don't, we don't hardly ever cancel church for much of anything. So I believe that there's grace for that. And, and like I said, we, we had a good time of fellowship. So we weren't talking about our taxes. We weren't talking about a lottery. We weren't talking about anything. We was talking about fellowship amongst brothers and sisters. We talked about the Lord Jesus and his mercy and grace to us, what prayer does for us as a body, how God will fortify his people with prayer and with word. And, and it, I, to me, it was very, very special. So thank you. So in this that God has given you, Again, you're in the greatest battle that's ever been fought. So if we'll take that one title and just pause right there just one minute, that you right now, 
sitting wherever you're in the seat, you are in the greatest battle ever fought. Let's just take by a show of hands and see if anybody agrees with that statement. You can agree with that statement. So you realize that's different than what Michael and Gabriel and those angels fought against? You realize that? that that's a different fight than what they were even in? There's a, um, the, the kids were watching on YouTube. We had a work day here last Saturday. There's a thing on YouTube called Superbook. And it's an interesting thing. They take the Bible, but they'll have like, I assume in our time, and they'll jump in like a time machine and go back to different parts of the Bible history. And I've always loved that. I think Imagination Station used to do that as well. And there was one I heard years ago that they were bouncing back and forth between Daniel and the Den of Lions and the Red Sea. And we were opening the Red Sea, and they'd bounce almost like a newscaster. And I love that. It would kick over to this, we're going to cut over to Bob now, the Red Sea. And well, they're just standing there. I don't know what's happening. They're just kind of standing there. And things are starting to back up. They're piling up behind them. Okay, back to you, Phil, over at the Den of Lions. What's going on? Well, the lions look real hungry this morning. I don't know what Daniel's going to do about it. And then God shows up and does what he does. So I like that about, I don't know if that was Imagination Station or what. But anyways, in the super book, they jump back to, uh, I don't remember what even the question was, but they, and again, this is just a cartoon, but I thought it was interesting. The Bible talks about a war in heaven. And you think about a war in heaven, you're like, what could that have looked like? The Bible didn't say it was a skirmish. They didn't say it was an argument. They called it a war in heaven. So this super book, this cartoon jumps back to, and the, the robot's with him, and he's like, well, I can't even, I can't even pinpoint a time and date where we're at. It was before time and, and, and dates were a thing. And it shows Lucifer rising up and bringing his angels against Michael and his angels. And it showed that, and then it showed, you know, Lucifer being kicked down, and Michael walked up, oh, Lucifer, how thou art fallen, cast down the other weakest of nations. I really like that. Kicked him right down. Next thing you know, you find him over in Eden. Him is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and he starts working through the serpent on Eve. So your enemy, the battle, the war, fierceness, horror. War is very horrible. War is very, very horrible. One thing I like about Joel 2 is it's describing that army there. It says one will not thrust another. Now, if you've ever seen, I've never been in an actual war. I've never been in a battle with swords, with shields and like that. But to me, as you're swinging a sword, there is a 99.99% you're going to cut somebody else. Probably one of the people behind you, maybe the guy beside you, not an enemy. I, excuse me, I apologize. I didn't mean to get you like that. Just because of the pandemonium and the horror and the screaming of war. But it's talking about this army that they will not thrust one another, that they will only fight the enemy. Now, that's Old Testament. And a lot of people love to discount the Old Testament. They like to say that's just the law. Those don't think, see, I don't believe the Bible like that. I don't get over to Matthew 1 and rip out everything to the left. Not one bit. I believe that God is very specific in every single word he put in that book. So when you look at the unity of the brethren, you look at the love of the brethren, we understand that, and I shared that with you here, I think it was Sunday, you can expect this battle that you're in that anything coming out of my mouth to offend you, to hurt your feelings, for you to misunderstand, for you to take the wrong way because of your enemy. You understand that? You can count on anything in your neighbor, your brother, your husband, your sister, your wife, that the devil try everything he can to make you misunderstand, to make you hear it differently, or I bet he thought this when I said that. This is your enemy. This is your enemy in your mind, the greatest battle ever fought. You can expect that for anything that's said, and then you're just fighting each other, and Satan steps back. He's like, oh, that was easier than I thought it would be. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. So this person that you're fighting, this person on your own, you have no chance against. 
on your own. He'll clobber you all day long. But when your life has been quickened by the Holy Ghost, you're now set in the army of the Lord. You won't fight each other. Should have got more amens in that. You won't fight each other. You won't be offended or hurt or discouraged or mad at or irritated or offended. All those things. I love him. He didn't mean that. I love her. She didn't mean that. Having a bad day. Satan's beating her. All those things. That was not them. That's my enemy. Satan, I still come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan, I still put my foot up on your head. Satan, you're still defeated. Changes how you fight. Come on now. Changes how you fight. It ain't me against you. It's me against the devil. Now, you only amen this morning something you believe with. I'll ask you that. Only amen something you agree with. If you don't agree with it, don't say amen. I'll see where you stand. I'll see where you stand. If you don't agree with it, don't amen it. I'll see where you stand. If there's a deaf and dumb spirit on you this morning, I'll cast that out too. You'll be able to hear the word. You'll be able to amen the word. These aren't my words. These are his words. I'm not quoting any out of the book of Sam. I'm quoting you out of the book of the Lord Jesus Christ, revealed present in this hour. Now, again, back to our battle, back to our fight. And I say it like that because there's always an unclean spirit trying to come against the house of God. Always believe a spirit that I've had to stand here and fight, and that's just to defeat a demon. Got no problem stepping up on his head. Had no problem with that. Satan's defeated. I'll say it again. Satan's defeated. So let's carry on. The word of God is the most powerful, most powerful, relevant present, accessible, available tool in your hand right now. And it better be in your hand. It better be in your mouth. It better be coming out of your mouth. It better not be death or discouragement or downness. It must only be speaking life. No, I'm not looking at my symptom. I'm not looking at my circumstance. I don't care what was in the past. The word says thus. The word says thus. Now, where's that demon's head at? Bring that demon here. I'll cut it off with the word of God. I will cut it off with the word of God. I touched on that last Sunday about the word there in the beginning in the hands of the cherubim. It was never meant to be in the hands of the cherubim. That was the problem. Adam lost it. Adam lost it. So as they're run out from the Eden, the Garden of Eden, as they're run out of there and they lost their path to the tree of life, now because they can't get back to, angels had to be put there with flaming swords and these flaming swords were turning every which way there could be. Every which way there can be telling you it knows the past, present, the future. It knows all things and it cannot be stopped. Same thing you find in Revelations 4, same thing you find in Ezekiel 2. It cannot be stopped every which way. It was the guard to the mercy seat. Again, it was never meant to be in the hand of the angel. It was meant to be in your hand. Your hand. The word is nigh thee, even in thy lips, in thy mouth. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, obviously. Obviously, two-edged only goes that way or this way. Diagonal, every radius you want to think of. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder to the bone and the marrow. And it knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. The person holding it. The thoughts and intents of the heart of the person holding it. Now, that part's very interesting because your thought, your heart, is always on display, always on examination. The Bible says examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. Examine yourself. So the Bible gives a very clear-cut path how to examine yourself. You take the word of God, you lay it out before you. 
Okay, he says this, check myself. He says this, I check myself. He, and you keep walking through like that there. You have your template, you have your plumb line, your, your, your string line, your, your absolute, everything laid out. You know what to line up to. I say that all the time in construction world. We're given different reference points and we're giving a, a solid point to build off of and you go back to that thing with every measurement you have. It builds off that reference point, builds off that reference point. If somebody moves that reference point, you have big problems. You have big problems. If you're laying out a building, we just got this place resurveyed a few months ago. You have a, a stake there, 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 and behind us. If I'm going to take and tell the county that I've got a five-foot setback, 10-foot setback, whatever it is, let's say it's a 10-foot setback, and I go over here, and I put my mark on my foundation over here at 9 foot 11 and 15 sixteenths off that line, they have every right to make me tear it down and move it. Every right. Because it must be 10 foot, not 10 foot one, not 9 foot 11 and 15, 16. It must be no closer than 10 foot. Well, who's going to care? Who's going to mind? That was for another day. That was another, that was of a municipality or an annex or all that was changed years ago and maybe it was never updated. It does not matter. It's what it said. Here's where the devil gets you off your armor. Just fudge it that way. Cheat it that way. Move that way a little bit. It's no big deal. Now really matter. Maybe not die. Maybe not die. Again, one three-letter word. One three-letter word brought death to the entire human race. So I guarantee you, you can trust your armor. You can trust the word of God. You can trust that sword because this is how you defeat the enemy. You take that word of God and you look at your walk. You look at your experience. You examine your fruit. I shared that with you a year or so ago that you've been called to be fruit inspectors. Fruit inspectors. Jesus said that by their fruits, you'll know them. By their fruits, you'll know them. I don't have the ability to read the thoughts of your heart. I don't have the ability to walk back through your life and those things. I don't have that ability. But I can look at your fruit, and I can tell you which way you're going. Anyone that's studying the word, that knows the presence of the Lord, that's baptized the Holy Ghost, can look at that and say, wait a minute. That's not the way you should go. The prophet would say, the Bible would say, that in its end is death. In its end is death. In its end is death. It don't look that bad right here. No, but that trajectory is death. It only goes one way. By their fruits, you'll know them. By their fruits, you're to examine the fruits. What kind of fruit's being produced? Is it sickly? Is it weak? The Bible says, why would you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? Think about the way that's worded. Why turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? You're not called to be weak and beggarly. Jesus said, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Why? Because I have a good bank account? Because I'm good at math? Because I deserve this? No, because of what he has done for me. What he has done for me. I'm not good at money. I'm not good at this. I'm not made, got the golden touch. No, because of what he has done for me. Every cent, every half cent, every one sixteenth of a cent that I have was given by him, belongs to him. I'm only allowed to use it for what I need. And I pray to God I'm using it the right way. I pray to God I'm using it the right way. I don't want him to take it away. If he does and I had to be fixed, then blessed be the name of the Lord. I'll, I'll say it just like Job, though God slay me, yet I'll trust him. Oh, God slay me, yet I'll trust him. I'll lay my life bare before. If I've made a mistake, if I've got to be torn all the way back down to the potter's wheel, blessed be the name of the Lord. You better have the same walk. You cannot say, well, I've been a message believer for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. I've been a Christian this long. You can't say that. That's how you get puffed up. That's how you get built up. You're still to walk back through your life. God, forgive me. If there's anything I've said wrong, anything I've done wrong, Lord, show it to me. I will hit my knees and repent. I'll go to my brother and sister. I'll make that right. 
Otherwise, you become heady and high-minded, and the devil just steamrolls you, steamrolls you. So back to fruit inspectors. What kind of life your fruit inspector producing? What kind of light is your life is your fruit producing? They look weak. They look beggarly. Are you producing the fruit of God? I kind of touched on this last Sunday. When you get over to the new city, over the over to into Jerusalem in the, the heavenly kingdom, it shows a tree of life on both sides of the river. Both sides of the river. They're not two trees of life. You have two representations of the same tree of life. You have the fountain of life, and you have those who become the tree of life, i.e., a believer, a bride member of Jesus Christ. Okay, I didn't know if you were a believer. I, I, I can explain that. I know I, I kind of touch things and say things fast, and I can explain that for you if I have to, but <laughs> you become the tree of life. The prophet would say that you become the word. You become the word when you let See the, the operative word there? You let the word go through you. You become the word when you let the word go through you. Well, that's not how I was taught. That's not how I believe. That's not this, this, and every excuse you can find. No, you grab them and throw everyone in the trash can. What the word say? That's the truth. What the word say? That's the truth. What? What? That's the truth right there. That's what the word said. Nothing else matters. I don't care if it was misunderstood, mistold, misrepresented. I don't care about any of that. I only want what the word says. I don't even want to hear what, what friends of the prophet said. I want to hear exactly what God said. Too many ideas, too many things get in there, and you have people messed up in their walk years and years later all because they misunderstood. Go back to the dream Brother Branham had. He was sending those people that he said they got these great big iron bars. They had these great big iron bars and he's eight, nine inches across. And he said he's looking at that. When they finally got free, he said, Brother Brown, these people just misunderstood you. Is that what it said? They just misunderstood you. It didn't say that he lied. It didn't say he was wrong. He said they misunderstood. Misunderstood. So you know your enemy. You know his tactics. You know his warfare. You know why, you know why he's after. Because you already know he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. We say this all the time. I want you to understand that because the devil will lull you into a false sense of peace, a false sense of just relaxation. You're not called to be relaxed. You're not called to be peace. Not in the battle realm. Not in the battle realm. You're to be on your toes. You're ready to be ready. <clears throat> be ready. Be vigilant. Being standing. You understand? Stand fast, therefore. It doesn't say sit down and pop up when you need to. No, I'm standing fast. A good fighter, the prophet would tell you, is always on his toes. He's always moving. If he's standing flat-footed, you get hit in the face, you go right down. But when you're on your toes, you're springing. You're ready to go. You might take a hit. You might slip and fall. But you get right back up. Let's go again. I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to get back up and go again. He might not be down, but I'll get back up and come again. Who promised this? He promised it. He said, I will not fall. We've been preaching all these last month or two on the rapture and, and uh, that First Thessalonians 4, to them that are alive and remain. That alive and remain, that remain could be translated through a Greek translation to survive, alive and survive. Now, it's not as some of those things, your mind is so easy to go to a victim thought. Well, I barely survived that. No, I barely made it through. And it was just woe is me. And you got to watch the devil will put a victim spirit on you so fast. Well, you don't know how bad I hurt. You don't know what was done to me. You don't know what was said to me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know. He does. He does. You ain't never felt nothing like he felt. You ain't never went through nothing like he went through. And that spirit is of the devil. 
That woe is me is of the devil. The devil used that to draw you away from God. You're not even supposed to be talking about your symptoms. Let death and life from the power of tongue, you're not even supposed to be talking about your symptoms. Does that seem odd? That seems strange? The Bible said I'm healed. I don't care if I've hurt for a thousand years. The Bible said I'm healed. They come to Brother Branham after he had that stomach issue. He said, every bite, I would throw it back up. I'd catch it and the acid in my mouth and back down every single bite. People ask you, how you doing? I'm healed, praise the Lord. I'm healed, praise the Lord. They said, Billy, you lied. He said, no, the word says I'm healed. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Again, we've been speaking about the rapture. You've been promised one of this day. You've been promised a rapture, and it's not just because your lucky number was picked. It's not because you were part of a lottery. Oh, I just happened to be born on this day, happened to go to this church. Have, no, no, no. You were chosen before the foundation of the world. The purpose of his passion. Think about that. You are the purpose of his passion. I like the name that Mel Gibson chose for that movie, The Passion of the Christ. And you find it over in Acts, it said his passion, his passion. See, you struggle with passions. You're in a human body. The Bible said Elijah's, Elias, Elias, Elijah was a man of like passions like you. You understand, Adam did fall. Adam did, maybe wasn't deceived, but Adam still made that mistake. He had a sexual affair with that lady, his own wife. He wasn't given his wife yet, but, but you understand that he had that sexual thing. You as a man, look outside. What's the most common sin out there of today? What's the most common sin of today? I read a uh, statistic that was from, I bet it's at least 10 years ago. I think it was 08, so that's more than that, 15, that said that 90%, 90% of all American, of the Americans, 90% of America that uses the internet, male and female, is to go to a sex site. 90%. So what would you think that first sin was? Satan is still out the trap. He's still out to get you. You're still living in a human body. You still have passions and things that, that must be overcome. You cannot overcome them on your own. You won't beat it on your own. You won't go to a self-help program. You won't go to an addiction recovery for that. There's no, no. You must receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The prophet said it gives you staying power. Staying power. Then once you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, now you must surrender every day to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, you're going to be eat up in that, and that devil's got a chain on you. I've had that chain before. I've had that on me before. God delivers from that chain. God will set you free from that chain. God will wash you clean from that filth. I can testify to you that right now. God will wash you clean from that. You got to say, God, take it away. Take it away, whatever it is. But you have like passions. You're in this kind of a body. You have tempers. You have uh, all these different things that you've got to overcome. You've got to overcome. The Bible gives provisions for all these things. Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. If you have all with your brother or sister, you go to that brother or sister. All these things are meant to be worked out, lest it run the Holy Ghost away from you. However many have been so mad before, you felt the Holy Ghost pulling back from you. Don't, don't be angels. You're not all angels here. I've been so mad before, I felt the Holy Ghost pulling back from me. Something, and I just stopped and said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Please, please, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on them. Whatever the situation was, please, God, have mercy. He does. Because you were in the same kind of body Elijah was in. 
So that's your anti-type. That's the negative thing, the provision and grace for such a thing. But the passion of God, we've shared that with you about the threefold purpose of God. And it's so easy to blow God up so big in your mind. And it's not that he's not big, but the process of doing that, it pushes him further and further away from you. And you forget that he's a very personal right now, right here, dealing with your heart kind of a God. I'm not doubting he's big. He's the biggest. I'm not doubting he's great. He's the greatest. There's none like him. But again, I say there's none like him. God hid in simplicity that God can work himself down to get into your heart, which again, your very body was designed to house him. Your very body was designed to have. He asked the question, I can't remember exactly which scripture it was. He said, the earth, the heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? And we've shared that with you about your heart and your rib cage and the way your body was designed, just like Revelation chapter four. That's the way you were designed to house and be the altar. So again, back to Eden. Back to Eden, they were pushed away from the tree of life. You understand that that's where the altar was. That's why you find Cain and Abel going to the gates of the Garden of Eden to bring their sacrifice. And again, if you want to see how merciful and how great and loving and just and forgiving our God is, Cain brings a wrong sacrifice up. He blows it back in his face, and he tells Cain the very first serpent seed, if you'll just do like Abel, I'll accept you too. And what's the Bible say? Cain was very wroth, very mad. But Elohim looked at him and said, if you'll just do like Abel, I'll accept you too. There's your wheats and your tares right there. There's your wheat and your tares. That's a merciful God. It's so easy to get built up. It's crazy how the devil will try to ingrain and infiltrate and, and work himself into every single little thing. If you're, if he, well, okay, you're a Christian. We'll say that. But let me tell you like this. God really isn't like that. He's really not like that. It's really just for you and not for them. Maybe he had grace for you, but he won't have grace for you. Or if he has grace for you, he won't have it for her or that. And this, and this is what the devil lying. A liar. I told you he's a bluffing, lying con man. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's why I like what the word says about me. I love what the word says about me. Let's read a little further. I'll share some things with you. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 20. And we'll, we'll try to get back on track here. I say on track, my, my, what I thought would be the right way, but God have his way. God have his way. He knows my heart. Let him speak to yours this morning. First Kings chapter 20, verse 13. Now, watch this very closely as we work our way through this. Again, the prophet told us about our day being born in this day with the open book, the revealed book, the revealed seals, all those things exposing, if I can say it like that, exposing Christ to your very view exposing the mercy seat, making it visible to you now that you could go back through every page of the Bible and see him. And every scripture that speaks of the groom speaks of the wife. So watch this as we read. Chapter 20, verse 13, 1 Kings. Behold, there come a prophet unto Ahab, king of Israel, <laughs> saying, thus saith the Lord, hast thou seen all this great multitude? Behold, I'll deliver it into thine hand. You understand the Samaritans had come out against them. 
the, the Syrians, I'm sorry, the Syrians had come out against him. And he said, Behold, there came a prophet on Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus saith the Lord, hast thou seen all this great multitude? Behold, I will deliver it into thine hand this day, and thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Ahab should have hit his knees. Because what did he use again? He said, I am. He said, I am. It was through the word of a prophet, but he told real quick, that ain't that prophet speaking, that's God speaking. And he used those two words again, three letters, I am. Moses asked, whom will I say sent me? He said, you tell him, I am sent you. Ahab should have been on his face. He should have been on his face, not sitting there with doubt in his heart. Listen to this. And thine hand this day, thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Ahab said, by whom? The Syrians were, I think, how did Ben-Hadid work that? He said that, that if you were to, that of all, if you were to pick up the dust in handfuls and all those grains were still nowhere near the amount of people I brought to fight you. Innumerable almost. But keep watching. Keep watching. He said, by whom? And he said, thus saith the Lord. Again, should have been enough right there. Even by the young men of the princes of the provinces. Then he said, who shall order the battle? And he answered, thou. Then he numbered the young men of the princes of the provinces. There were 232. After them, he numbered all the people, even all the children of Israel being 7,000. They went out at noon, but Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the pavilions. He and the kings, the 30 and two kings that helped him. I'll pause there a minute. You realize that if Satan's got you fighting each other, if he's got you pulling apart from church to church, I can't fellowship with them because of this. I can't fellowship with them. They don't believe the same way with me. Or I disagree with their pastor and keep separating and separating and separating, which is not the will of God. That's not what brotherly love is. You say, I can't fellowship with that brother because he don't believe the same thing I believe. That ain't God. That ain't God. So if he's got you fighting each other, he ain't got to fight. So what would it look like Satan be doing? I'd imagine he'd be throwing a party. I just took the most powerful army there's ever been, and I got them turned on each other. Got them turned on each other. He'd be probably stuck back drinking the pavilions too. All right? He'd be back just drinking himself drunk. Said ben, but but, but Ben-Hadad was drinking himself drunk in the pavilions. He and the kings, the 30 and two kings that helped him. The young men of the prince of the provinces went out first. Ben-Hadad sent out, and they told him, saying, there are men come out of Samaria. And he said, whether they be come out for peace, take them alive. Whether they be come out for war, take them alive. So these young men of the prince of the provinces came out of the city, and the army which followed them. They slew every one his man, and the Syrians fled, and Israel pursued them, and Ben-Hadad the king of Syria escaped on a horse with the horsemen. And the king of Israel went out, smote the horses and chariots, and slew the, the Syrians with a great slaughter. Now, verse 22, the prophet came to the king, the king of Israel and said unto him, Go, strengthen thyself, and mark, see what thou doest. For at the return of the year, the king of Syria will come up against thee. He's got a prophet, God speaking before his people. The servants of the king of Syria said unto him, this is bad advice. It's just the, the history of all bad advice. The Syrians, the servants of the king of Syria said unto him, their gods, and again, it's lowercase and it's plural. What's wrong with this picture? It's lowercase and it's plural. One God, one God, one Lord. They said that their gods, Man, 
that their gods are gods of the hills. Therefore they were stronger than we, but let us fight against them in the plain. Surely we be stronger than they. They're thinking that a militia fight, they couldn't take them. They knew the area, they knew the hollers, they knew the hills, all those things. And so they're trying to chalk our bad defeat up to that. That wasn't the bad defeat. It was the one you placed as minus is the majority. He's not the minus God, he's the biggest God. And he said that, do this thing, take the kings away, every man out of his place, put captains in their rooms, number thee in army like the army that thou hast lost, horse for horse, chariot for chariot, and we will fight against them in the plain, and surely we shall be stronger than they. And he hearkened unto their voice and did so. It came to pass at the return of the year that Benadad numbered the Syrians. God done told him he'll be here at the return of the year. That Benadad numbered the Syrians, went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. The children of Israel were numbered, were all present, went against them. The children of Israel were numbered. You know what it means? They're present and accounted for. Present and accounted for. They weren't at home. They weren't uh, looking at, just married a wife, had to see about her, just bought a new ox, had to see about it. No, they'd been called to the marriage supper. They were present and accounted for. You follow my type. They were all there. They're all numbered. And he said it came to pass, and the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went out against them. The children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids, but the Syrians filled the country. Filled the country. Which is it? Is it Isaiah 54, 55? Said, I did not choose you because you were the most. I chose you because you were the least. There came a man of God. And there came a man of God. That means God sent him. That means God was concerned. That means God had interest. You, you, you picking it up? God was very invested. Very, very invested. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord. Because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills, but he's not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and you shall know, there it is again, that I am the Lord. See, this is... My tie-in right here is, I've shared that with you so many times, I've come to the misunderstanding that it is the bride of this day of the rapture, that if you look at certain things that are said or certain things that may be misrepresented, that you would think that you're to be hiding in a cave, that you're to be running for your life, that you'll be hunted. Not the bride, the remnant, but not the bride. The prophet said it be those that are shot on their own sight will be shot on sight for their faith. He's not talking about bride. They'll be hiding in caves. He's not talking about bride. This seems strange to you? I, I done told you too many times, you're dressed in battle armor for a reason. You're undefeatable for a reason. You're a mighty conqueror for a reason. And that's not to say, okay, I'll go hide in my cave now. Go find me a good hole in the dirt and hide away. That's not what you were meant to be. You were never meant to be hidden away. Not in this world's view. Hid away in Christ, yes, but not in this world's view. What would the third pull be to the eternally lost and the bride? Why would it be the eternally lost? He's already in that statement tells you they're eternally lost. So what would the purpose for them to be is you don't touch my bride. What if they bring everybody? Bring them all. 
not his wife. Not his wife. Too many people want to say that. I don't believe that. I don't believe, I don't believe not with him protecting you. So where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? That's your con man trying to keep you scared. That's a liar trying to keep you in fear. Perfect love cast out fear. Who is he? Who is our husband? He is perfect love. Turn over to Judges chapter 15. Judges chapter 15, verse 9. <laughs> then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of <coughs> excuse me, the men, the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up, to do to him as he hath done to us. Then three thousand men <coughs> of Judah went to the top of the rock Etam and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? I don't have time to jump back and read Joshua to you. Listen to this statement by these men of Judah. Don't you know they're rulers over us? Don't you know they're our boss? Don't you know they possess us? I think Samson should have been disgusted. What did you say? That's not what Elohim said. That is not what Elohim said. That's not what Adonai said. That's not what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He said, don't you know? Don't you know that? My goodness. What is it that thou hast done unto us? Now you brought it to our door. So do something about it. We can't. Just like the days of Kish under Saul. Hiding. Most powerful army. Hiding from one silly little giant. Hiding. What is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, as they did unto me, so I've done unto them. And they said unto him, we are come down to bind thee. That same spirit alive today. The prophet would call you trying to pack the ball. I love that phrase, trying to pack the ball. I don't, you ain't preaching like I'm preaching. You ain't saying like I'm saying it. And they try to discredit someone, try to run someone else down, all because it ain't them saying it. The prophet said in the message discerning of spirits, he said, if any church or any pastor are trying to push someone else out of the way so that they're the only ones in the picture, he said, that tells you what spirit they're of. He said, they're packing the ball. They're trying to block the ball. If you got someone, a servant of God, a Christian, running with the ball, and then another Christian jumps to tackle them, you have them come down to binding. They come down to binding. We are come down to bind thee that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that you'll not fall upon me yourselves. You know, Samson knew what would happen if they did. That gift, that anointing would activate and they'd be in just as much trouble. So he didn't just say, you know, let me have, shake your hand. Just give me a light promise. He said, swear it. You swear it. I'll let you do this, but you swear it that you won't do nothing to me. You swear it that you will not fall upon me yourselves. And they spake unto him saying, no, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hand. But surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cores and brought him up from the rock. When he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were on upon his arm became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his hands loosed, the bands, his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass, put forth his hand, took it, and slew a thousand men therewith. 
a thousand men therewith. Now again, you'll notice he didn't say he's holding the sword of God, the word of God. He picked up a jawbone off the floor, off the desert, off the rock, wherever it was. What would have happened if he'd have picked up the sword of God, the king's sword? Again, understand, under the blood of bulls and goats, the Holy Ghost had not been given yet. The word had not been restored by our day, but this is a perfect visual in your mind example of what one chasing a thousand looked like back then. See, you've had an extra, extra 200 million demons poured out upon you in your day. So again, I don't know the number. The Bible talks about those two thirds that did not fall as in a number that no one can number. Think about that. So if the two-thirds is a number that no one can number, and then the one-third, you know, breaking out percentages, two-thirds versus one-thirds, and so whatever that number would be, and that 200 million of them were, were shot off and healed up by the river Euphrates until this day, so whatever this number plus 200 million demons coming against you, and it still ain't enough. Still ain't enough. I don't care if he's got trillions and trillions and trillions, it still ain't enough. And Samson said, with a jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with a jaw of an ass have I slain a thousand men. And it come to pass when he made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called that place Ramoth Lehi. And he was sore athirst, called on the Lord and said, thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. Now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised. But God, same God, but God, the same God. Again, a paradox. Clave and hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit come again, and he revived. He revived. A paradox. You, you, I read it to you, but God, but God took an old jawbone. Jawbones aren't very big, by the way. It ain't really, it ain't very big at all. It depends on the size of your, of, your, of your donkey, but it really ain't very big. You're thinking you got this big old club, but it's not. It's really not very big at all. It's just a little slight extension of your hand. So then can you imagine water just pouring out of it? I don't think it was muddy. I don't think it was chalky. I don't think it looked slimy. Because that ain't the, the water of God. I don't think the water come out of that rock in the desert looked uh, chalky or slimy or murky. I bet it was clear, clean water. Because who did it? This is another type. And this is Old Testament. This is before the sacrifice was given. This was before our lives could be changed in this way. Turn over to chapter 16, just a, a few verses later. Chapter 16, verse 2. That same book of Judges. <clears throat> chapter 16, verse 2. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. Now he's, again, off of the harlot, just backslidden, struggling, all the things that he's doing in his own passion. It was told the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. They compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. Can you imagine how many demons have said that about you? We'll let you lay out tonight. We'll let you sleep. We won't bother you. We've been testified, many of you before, that I had a good day today. Then no demons get to nowhere. What's got to happen? You know the Satan's out to steal, kill, and destroy every second of the day, every second of the day, every second of the day. And he'll lull you to sleep. Oh, not today, not today. No, it's always his plan is to come against you that way. Like I said, you've got to be on your toes. 
And it was told them, and he said, In the morning when it's day, we shall kill him. Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, went away with them, bar and all, put them upon his shoulders, carried them up to the top of a hill that is before Hebron. Certain ways you measure that out is about 40 miles. Take your Bible map, about 40 miles. Now, this wasn't that big of a door. Which I could probably carry that door a block maybe, two blocks, not 40 miles. And that ain't no gate of a city and the bar and the posts. I've got posts at my house that, you know, some of them are so big that two or three of us can't pick up. And so that would, that would probably what you need to hold one of the gates. And if there's two of the gates, so you have that plus the post, you understand what God did there. You understand what God did there. And again, this is before the Holy Ghost could be given. This is before the mercy seat was exposed in your heart. This is before all things were possible to you. I want to read this to you out of, it's the message, we've seen his star and have come to worship him. 1963, December 16th, Charity. We've seen his star and we've come to worship him. I don't have the paragraph number. He said, we thank thee, he's praying. We thank thee, the Lord Jesus, to be the light bearers of this age. We thank thee to be the light bearers of this age, to be here ready to manifest the promised word for the age that we're now living in ready to manifest, Man expressed attributes, ready to manifest. You, you follow me? Knowing that in the beginning, you allotted out your word. Knowing that in the beginning, you allotted out your word. Knowing the end from the beginning, each age, you allotted your word to that age. <clears throat> Somehow, we don't know how it ever happened, but in each one of those ages, as we look back upon thy word, we see there was anointing come in that age that fulfilled that word. And in the days that we're now living in, there's an allotted word. Now, the reason why I would imagine he would say it like that was, if you look to the dark ages, you look times like that to where it was all hell against it, and it only just a few believers in that day. Yet somehow, with those few believers, God did what he did. God did what he did. God backed it up. God proved it. God brought it to pass. That's why he say, I don't know how it happened. You can't look at any normal human statistics or way of uh, measuring things and see how it'd be possible. The only way you, you could describe any such thing is, but God. But God. But God brought it to pass. He said, we see there was an anointing coming that age that fulfilled that word. And in the days that we're now living in, this is you now. You should get on the edge of your seat and be ready for this. There is an allotted word, a promise for this age. We believe the Holy Spirit is here on earth now trying to find hearts to manifest, to bring to pass by vindicating the word that's now prophesied for this day and hour. This day, this hour, what is the proof of the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What is the proof of the new birth? Is it speaking in tongues? Come on, somebody yell out now. No! Is it running, jumping, and shouting? No! Is it driving Fords or Cadillacs? No! It's believing and walking in the revealed word of your hour. Not Paul's day, not Luther's day, not Wesley's day, your day. Your day. Where you're standing in right now. So I'll read this last part to you again. And in the days that we are now living in, there's an allotted word. 
Oh, yes, there is. Uh, oh, yes, there is. I I'll quote to you out of It's the Rising of the Sun again. Brother Bram said, in your day, the full maturity of the word has turned back again. Well, the full maturity of the word has come back again. That must not have really set in good to you. The full maturity of the word. The full, let there be, let there be, let there be. The full maturity of the word. That doesn't say that you're mature yet. That doesn't say that you're not still things you're learning up, you're being adopted in, you're being drawn closer because you've got to get on your path. That's your part. I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. I surrender, Lord. But what's it look like to be fully adopted? What's it look like to be fully manifested? What does it look like to be expressly declared in your day? Let there be. Let there be. He said there's a governor on you right now. There's a governor. And if that governor wasn't on you right now, you would create another planet and go live a private life on it. A governor? What's the governor? Think about that. Because what was the problem with the sons of thunder? They got mad. They'd been given power. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I give unto you power. Okay, let's bring down fire from heaven and burn them up. And he's like, oh, Lord, help them. You don't need another planet. You don't need another planet. You don't need one. You don't need another planet. You, you need an environment right here. You need an atmosphere right here. The prophet in the message, the power of, power of transformation message said what it creates is a faith civilization. See, I love that word, faith civilization. See, the, the seven spirits of the Lord, the, the eyes of the Lord, the Bible talks about the seven spirits, the seven stars, the, the eyes of the Lord, they're constantly running over the planet, constantly running, constantly running, constantly running over the planet, looking for someone to believe in. Looking for someone to believe him. The only one that can't lie. The only one that cannot lie. The only one that does not change. Looking for someone to believe him and to say, that promise is for me. That promise is for me. Looking over the world, looking over the world, looking over the world. Jesus told the woman in the well, I touched on this earlier. He said, there's coming a day when the true worshipers, they will arise and they'll worship in spirit and in truth. You couldn't worship in spirit and truth back there. The truth wasn't available. Even though he was standing there in the atonement, sacrifice, vehicle, body, lamb to give for our sins, our offering, he was still veiled. He was still not accessible, not like you have him today. Because in your day, I could, I could rip uh, uh, my phone out right now and start reading headlines. I start reading headlines off to you, my phone right now, and say, yep, that looks like Noah's day. That looks like Solomon Gomorrah's day. That looks like those days. All kinds of manner of nonsense and filth and perversion and lies and twisting and death and murder and all these evil things right there. And you take that and you look at the day you're living in and you step back and says, the very next verse says, even thus shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. Even thus shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. The Lion of the tribe of Judah has stepped forward. Yes, he is a lamb. Oh, yes, he is a lamb. He paid my sins. He carried my cross. He bore my shame. He took my beating. He took my beating. He took my beating. He ripped his skin off his back so I could be healed. He ripped his skin off his back so you could be healed. Well, I'll just suffer through it. I'll get by. Why? He sent his word and healed all of thine diseases. 
So this is why I love preaching the word. It's why I love preaching the word. The word is so powerful, so powerful that as I'm preaching this to you, your body can be healed right there in your seat. This word is so powerful. It'll grab your soul. It'll grab your spirit. It'll change this just with the preaching of the word and it will quicken your life and bring you further in the presence of God. So what's available to your day to fight and combat the enemy? He said, a, a, a lotment of the word has been given in your day. A lotment of the word has been given in your day. This isn't just a partial. I, I can pull that quote up in the church age book. It's not just a partial revelation. Re, re, partial realization. This is a full manifested revelation of the revealed son of man. Yes, there are things that you'll continue throughout the ceaseless ages, him to unfold himself to you. I understand that. There's so much you can take in this body. I tell you that all the time. I think after a while, you, you start starts dripping out of your ears because you, it's, too, it's too big. It's too glorious. It's too mighty. And, and God, I, I appreciate his mercy because he will. He'll give me a little bit. And I'll sit there. And I'll, I'll feel like I'm real light in my head and just, wow, that's, I never thought about that before. And, and then a few days later, he'll come a little bit more. And, and I can imagine if he were to pour out on you right now, you'd probably explode. God can make himself known. It's always been his will to make himself known. It's always been his will for you to know him. What a mighty God we serve. There's been living in our day an allotted word, a promise for this age. He said, we believe the Holy Spirit is here on earth now trying to find hearts to manifest, to bring to pass by vindicating the word that's now promised for this day and hour. Like I said, true worshipers couldn't have been back there, the woman at the well. True worshipers couldn't have even been there in John's time. John was brought forward to your day. You understand, John time traveled. John was brought forward to your day. He told you, I had to look backward because I heard a voice sounding behind me. I had to look backward to see the church ages. Then I look up and here I am in Revelation chapter four. At the end of the laying to see in church age, I heard a voice in heaven. Behold, a door was open. I was ushered into that bright age. I was picked up into that point, that pinnacle, that peak with God. I was pulled right up close to his side and showed me things that were hid before the foundation of the world. These are John's words. These are John's words. And he said, what I saw was, yes, a lamb. And he paid the price. Yes, a lamb. He covered all of my sins, washed them away, put them in the sea of God's forgetfulness. And all that is all done. But he's also the line of the tribe of Judah. Our God cannot be stopped. Our, no one can stay his hand. There is none like your conquering salvation. None like him. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 19. Oh, do you love him this morning? How could you not? How could you not? It's amazing how that, that, that anointing, they were just talking about how that anointing that, that you surrender your life, and that's something we've done here. We've, we've tried to, we've gotten a little bit lax in it. We're trying to get back into it as far as wrapping everything in prayer, trying to spend more time in prayer, getting here early before the service starts and spending time in prayer, giving your heart to God, reconsecrating, rededicating your life that way that you can help create an atmosphere and environment, that way that you can see the pillar of fire. You understand what that means? Do you believe the pillar of fire is in the room right now? So what's it take to see him? Consecrate your life. Dedicate your life. Surrender more of your life. He's here. So what needs is the vessel to be surrendered. It's your eyes to be dedicated. It's your heart, your life to be surrendered more 
and more. God gives us glimpses. God's let you see him. God lets you feel him. But there's so much to be had. So much more to be had. Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 19. The portion of Jacob is not like them. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things. And Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. The Lord of hosts is his name. We just celebrated the anniversary of Easter just a couple weeks ago. And you understand how the prophet would lay that out and describe what it looked like when he was bringing those saints of old back up to the heavenly Jerusalem, that new heaven. They come up and they said, fling wide the gates. And they said, the mighty conqueror is here. And the voice come back from the other side. Who is this mighty conqueror you speak of? The Lord Jesus didn't speak. The people said, the Lord of hosts strong in battle. It wasn't God saying, here I am with my keys, open the door, let me in. No, the people's testimony. Oh, let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you who he is. I was down there. I was dead. I was laying in the dirt. I was in paradise. I was waiting for the mercy seat. And now I see him. Now I see him. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. He said, verse 20, thou art my battle axe and weapons of war. For with thee, with thee, with thee will I break in pieces the nations, and with thee will I destroy kingdoms. The word of God is mighty. It is mighty. He said, with thee will I break in pieces the horse and his rider. That's more important to you today because you've read the book of Revelation. You know about the white horse, the black horse, the red horse, and the pale horse, and you know the success that he's had. Still a tool in the hand of God, still a dog on a chain, but you still see what he's doing. Marvelous. He's had marvelous success, Satan has, the prophet said. Satan's had marvelous success disbelieving, getting people to disbelieve their promise for this day. He's had marvelous success. He's went out and done his job, but he's still a tool in the hand of God. But you understand because you can see what's happened. I don't believe that. That is not the Lord Jesus Christ. And without a prophet sitting your day, you wouldn't have known that. You wouldn't have known that. Everybody thought that was Jesus without the arrows. Everybody thought that. You tell me one person who didn't think that. Well, it's obviously he's on a white horse. Over here you find him with a white horse. Right here you find him with a white horse. It's obviously. But your God has arrows. Your God has arrows. He's not whipped. He's not chained. He's not bound and never can be. Never can be. That was Satan going forth in his sheep-like whatever you want to describe that as being in that manner. Then you find him, he gained a little more power. He gained a little more power. He gained a little more power. And now it's death and all hell following with him. Death and hell following him. Again, I love the law of opposites. I love that. I love the law of contrast. And I wouldn't know that without a prophet teaching you that, that if you see one thing described in a certain way, and that's the purely expressed negative, you would agree, death, hell following him. Death, hell following him. Life, all of heaven following him. See, that's much more beautiful to me. All of heaven following him. My goodness. Turn over to John chapter 18. I wish there was a pause button for the clock. That would be just great if someone could get that installed for me. John chapter 18, verse 1. Do you love the word? Amen. I appreciate his mercy. 
When Jesus has spoken these words, John chapter 18, verse 1, when Jesus has spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Cedron, where there was a garden, into the which he entered and his disciples. And Jesus, Judas also, which <clears throat> excuse me, betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oftentimes resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto him, Them, whom seek ye? Whom seek thee? You think he was really wondering? I think he's baiting them. He's laying up the conversation. And he knew exactly who they were looking for. Because the word knows all things. He knew exactly who they were looking for. Whom seek thee? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, comma, I am he. Judas also which betrayed him stood with them. Judas, the seed of discrepancy, who was a devil. As soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. That's why I told you when that was told from a prophet, Elijah, I am, he should have been on his knees. I am and as soon as then as he had said back unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then he asked he them again, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered and said, I've told thee, I've told you that I'm he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Let these, that the same might be fulfilled which he spake of them, which thou givest me, have I lost none. See, that's a beautiful promise for your life. Again, so many times you reading through the Bible and you can't you, you forget to apply it to your life he said of those which he give me that same promise he said I won't lose one will I make it am I going to make it will I take a rapture will I be lost will I be backslid all these things no I'm his you're going to make it ain't nothing hell can do about it ain't nothing hell can do about it turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. You know where I'm going. And I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Look at the way he's starting out. By the meekness and gentleness. What a description of the lion of the tribe of Judah. What a description of the mighty conqueror. What a description of the captain of our salvation. What a description but the meekness and gentleness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence, uh, wherewith I think that to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Again, same spirits in the church today, same spirit in the world today. That's just a man up there talking. That's just a man up there rattling on. Is he not done yet? Can we not close and go home? He says, they think that you've walked according to the flesh. Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. 
They are not carnal, but mighty through God. Can you amen that? They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought. Even right now, in this moment, every thought. Every thought. Is this just me speaking to you? Is this just a man speaking to you? If you believe that, why are you here? These aren't my words. These aren't my words. I can, I can comfort you at least with that. These are not my words. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm reading you out of the scripture. So who was telling you that it's a man? It'd be your enemy. It'd be your enemy. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts himself that he's Christ, let him think of himself, let him, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, so even so are we Christ. Even so are we. I want to read this to you out of the message of the breach. 1963, March 17, Abraham preached that morning, God hiding himself in simplicity. That night he preached the breach between the seven church ages and the seven seals. Now, that seven seals, you can't have the seven seals without the seven church ages. All these things put you in your day. They identify your day. That tells you that we're not still sitting back here in Paul's day. We're not testifying this morning that we're sitting, that we're viewing the Lord Jesus through a glass darkly. You've not heard me say that. I'm not saying we're preaching the out of a closed book. I'm not saying we're preaching the out of a book with seals still on it. You understand that even as the Ark of the Covenant back there in Moses' time, that it was, it was overlaid on the inside and the outside with gold. The Ark of the Covenant, the word that was held, that was carried, it was overlaid on the outside and the inside of the gold. You remember there in Joshua's day as they're told to cross Jordan, and it told the people, they're telling the people that when you see the Ark go over, when you see the Ark go over, you get up and you follow. It didn't say the priests. It didn't say when you see Joshua. It said when you see the word, go, you follow. The word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lamp to my feet and light to my path. The word of God. But in that day, it was still sealed. It was laid over. Deity, God, covered up, wrapped up, sealed. You find him over the book of Revelation that it was still sealed until your day. The book had seals on the outside and on the inside. Wrapped away, hid away, covered away. But not your day. This isn't the days of Moses. This isn't where Moses had to veil his face. You are now that holy of holies. You are now that little room in the tent. You understand that? That you are the vision of the brand was allowed to see. You're the little room in the tent. His bride of this day, him in her. That's why in the message of the rising of the sun, Brother Brown said he's quoting that where Jesus said, because I live, you live. Because I live, Jesus saying, you live. Brother Brown said he was speaking to his wife. You know, it's interesting that, that he was called in Abraham's day, El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the breasted one. And that's way to be put that you would understand that, that for a baby, that life is pulled from a mother through in that area so that a baby can grow up and live. And it's to, man, to draw life, draw strength, draw sustenance so they can grow. 
Your God is called to you, El Shaddai, that you can come to that fountain. You can pull it into you, and you literally become him. In a natural sense, they tell you all the time, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. If all you eat is little Debbie, you become little Debbie. If all you eat is hostess, you become hostess. If all you eat is celery, you look like a celery. Your skin gets really green. All the whatever. Same thing with carrots. See, there's got to be a balanced word too. It's got to be a balanced word. And, and you notice that different people get stuck on different things. We, in our life, we've seen people stuck on two Lord. We've seen stuck, people stuck on deity. We've seen people stuck on all these different things. You have the Trinity doctrine. People get stuck there. They won't go on with God. We'll just stop right here. And that's the problem with the denomination is, or an organized, that a man said, we have this from God. That's good enough for me. But God's like, I've got so much more. Why would you stop there? There's so much more. Why would you stop with that? Keep coming. Keep coming. You're so close. Keep coming. He said, paragraph 115. I didn't give him a paragraph earlier. He said, remember the Bible has told us in Matthew the fifth chapter, the meek shall inherit the earth. He said, the meek and humble will inherit the earth. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, the simple ones that just don't try to be some great big something. The simple ones that just don't try to be some great big something. How long have you been a human? Very long, you just start today. One of the biggest things you'll fight is pride of life. One of the biggest things. Every man or woman, you have the three things. You have lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Well, I did this. I did this. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be great. I'm going to be big. Where does that come from? That's not God. Where does it come from? That's not God. Well, do you know what I did? Well, I did this, and I did this. Let me tell you about this. It should never come out of your mouth. You should say, let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you what God did. I'll share this with you. Let me tell you what God did. Let me show you what his word says. Not yours, his. You're not speaking. I love that. I heard a brother talking about that recently. When you have someone from another kingdom or another country and they come, let's just say the U.S., and they don't even speak the same language as you. Speaking of which, uh, Brother Samuel Fida from Romania said to greet everybody, tell you all hi, praying God bless you. He does speak English. His wife and children don't, but... Anyway, so when you have someone from another land, another country, they don't speak the same language as you. They speak a completely different language. So when they come here, you a lot of times can't understand because they speak a different language. This is the way it is. So if you're from a different kingdom, if you've been born in a different kingdom, you're not to be speaking the language of this land. You're just speaking of that language of that land. Should I be speaking about woe is me? My legs hurt, my back hurts, my knees hurt, my hair hurts, my eyes hurt, my did this, I had this said, this was done, I don't have a job, my car broke down, my bills are late, my house is falling apart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. My God shall provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. But your bank account is negative. I don't care what it says. My God shall supply my needs. Well, I heard today, he sent his word and healed all my diseases. I mean, he can testify of that this morning. He sent his word and healed all my diseases. But you might get cancer tomorrow. He healed that too. You might get hit by a car the next day. He healed that too. Might fall off a roof and fall 30 feet and healed that too. My healer. He said, the simple ones that just don't try to be some great big something, they'll inherit the earth. Talking about those that are destroyed. He said, now they polluted it and God will destroy them, but the meek will inherit the earth after it's been purified. He said, now the forfeited title deed is now in the hands of the original owner, almighty God. The title deed to the earth 
and to eternal life. When Adam forfeited it, then Satan's dirty hands could not take it, so it went back to its original owner. Now, if you'd have been on the earth from Adam to Christ, you'd have said the contrary. Man, Satan's been telling everybody that he owns it. He's been telling everybody. He, everybody, oh, no, I thought for sure Satan owned it. What? No. No, Satan said he owned it. Everywhere you look, Satan owned it. There's billboards that says Lucifer owns it. Liar. 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 So you think about how much greater Adam was over Lucifer. Come on now. You think about what was put in the hand of Adam. Then Adam lost it. Lucifer couldn't even hold it. Couldn't even hold it. You had to go back in the hands of the original owner. Now where's it at? You better be raising your hands right now. The word's been made flesh again. That word is in you now. The abstract title deed because the original owner abides here now. He abides here. I am his throne. I am his house. The forfeited title deed is now in the hands of the original owner, Almighty God. The title deed to the earth and to eternal life. When Adam forfeited, then Satan's dirty hands could not take it, so it went back to its original owner, God himself. Woo! We're going to find it just in a minute. There he sits on the throne with it in his hand, the title deed. Oh, that makes me feel religious, Brother Ram said. The title deed to eternal life. Abstract title deed to eternal life. When Adam forfeited it for wisdom instead of faith, it went back to the hands of the owner, Almighty God. He says, what a great thing. He said, what's it doing in the hands of God waiting for redemption claims? Waiting for redemption claims. So from Adam to the cross, Sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting for you to be manifested, for you to be expressed, for you to be adopted. So you see why the Bible says all of creation groaneth, waiting for you to be adopted, waiting for you to be manifested as a son and daughter of God. You see why the earth, all of the earth, the earth is God, please, what's it take to hurry this thing up? Can I, can I uh, pray for them more? Can, can, what can I do? Can you imagine the earth begging God? What can I do to make them give their heart to God? What can I do to make them to forsake this world? What can I do to do? let them lay aside any weight that does so easily beset them? What can I do? That sounds like earnestly awaiting to me. That's not going, you know, I guess, you know, whenever something happens. No, that ain't, that ain't expectation. That's something fervent about that. The Bible says all of creation, all of creation. <clears throat> he made a way of redemption. He made a way back. He made a way back, and someday the Redeemer is to take it back. You see where we're getting to. He said, you'll watch this fellow sitting upon the throne. He said, waiting for redemption, claims it's redemption. What is this book of redemption? This title deed, abstract title deed. You say abstract. He said, what does an abstract mean? Abstract means it's searched all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning. That's why I'll quote to you again. The full maturity of the word has turned back again. The full maturity of the word searched all the way back to the beginning. He said, like that little drop of ink this morning, when it struck the bleach, it went all the way back. He's still talking about redemption. 
That morning in the message, God had himself in simplicity. He was talking about how that for years we had no way to get stains out, to get ink out of some things like that. He said, but a, 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 a chemical has been invented called bleach. that You can take ink, drop it in the bleach. It dissolves it, and there's no more ink. He said, think about that. Your filthy, dirty, nasty robes of righteousness that you had, rags of righteousness that you had before. Filthy in his sight. He takes all you did, drops it in the bleach of his blood, and it's gone. So you see what he's bringing up to tell you? The redeemer, the redemption. He said when it struck that bleach, it went all the way back. When sin has been confessed and fallen into the blood of Jesus Christ, he said it gives an abstract right straight back to the creator again. You become, you become. I'll pause right there if you'll hold that thought and you think about John 1, that he gave them power to become sons of God. He, Lord God, gave you power to become sons of God. Don't get confused now. This doesn't mean that poof, you're elected. Poof, you're predestinated. No, you always were seed. That's how you can become God, you know, son of God. Always were seed. The devil will throw you either one way or the other. But because of that, he give you power. He said, you become a son of God. Abstract title, deed is held in the hands of Almighty. Its redemption means all legal possession to that was lost by Adam and Eve. He said, what ought that to do to a born-again Christian? You're reading it and you're hearing it, what I'm telling you. Now, this was just presented to you born-again Christians. What ought that do to you? Bible asks, what kind of a man ought you to be? What kind of a man, woman ought you to be? See, the prophet would also tell you that you can't take somebody sitting in a pew, pour gasoline on them, and throw a match at them and expect them to sit there. Glory to God. That's fine. Yes, sir. He said, that's not the spirit of God. When John saw his name on the book, the Bible says no one heard him. Nobody heard a thing. No, everybody heard him. On the earth, under the earth, in heaven, everybody heard him singing glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. He said, so I'll ask you again, what ought that to do to you to a born-again Christian? He said it's legal possession to that abstract deed, title deed of eternal life. It means that you possess everything. Everything. I share that with you a few Wednesday nights. I said, when I get done preaching tonight, I said, I'm going to take my Bible. That Bible's mine. I'm going to take my tablet. When I'm done, I'm going out the door. I'm not going to leave it here because I belong to someone else. No, that was mine. That there's mine too. I'm going home with it. What I'm presenting to you this morning is yours. It is yours. It is yours. You take it and you go home and you go suck every demon out of hell. Say, you're done. I got the proof of it. Let's all stand our feet this morning. If we have musicians come, you take it home with you. I've got a way to not just survive. I got a way to overcome. I got a good way to stomp him down. I don't just have to eat by. I don't have to just barely make it. No, call it a victorious life for a reason. Victorious life. Victorious life for a reason. What a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. 
I want the holy ones to hold you are my all in all. Oh God and Jesus, oh God, God, Oh, my Jesus, God, my sin, my cross, my shame. Rising again, I bless your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. And when I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. I'm seated in
that is what I long to do. I give you for you all, but I just Saturday will be May the 6th, and we're going to have a work day here for, at 9 a.m., and obviously there's a lot of things we want to get ready for our, our, our church dedication meetings, and Bethany says if you can't work, maybe you can help with some food or for the ones that aren't working, but whatever you can do to be a blessing to your brother and sister, you know God will return that to you. Let's, let's bow our heads just now. Great and mighty God that we serve, Lord, we consider it an absolute honor. Absolute privilege, Lord, to have spent this morning in your presence. Lord, this isn't just being in the room with a bunch of people we like, we like to be around and hang out with and, and talk about certain things with, Lord, but we each one come here this morning know that we've been in your presence. And, Lord, you've not let us down. You have moved for us this morning, Lord. You have spoke to us in this morning in such a way, Lord, that gave us more strength for the battle more courage, more hope, more more of a joy, Lord, than we seem to have ever had. For We're not going to be discouraged anymore. We're not going to be depressed anymore. We're not going to be downtrodden anymore. I, I come against that demon in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I come against anxiety and stress and all those things Satan tries to use against us to, to keep us beneath our God-given privileges. Sickness and lies and, and demonic influence, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Lord God, I thank you for what you've done for your people. I thank you, Lord, for this, this bride that you've so fortified with your word, Lord. And your, your prophet would tell us that this word is, is truly an atomic warfare against the enemy to such that he has no return. He has no chance and hope of defense. And that's what you give your people to defend themselves. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we worship you with our whole hearts this morning. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be alive in this day, that, that our hearts and our, our ears and our, our spirits have been made and quickened alive to hear the word of this day, of, of the word of this hour, Lord, that we've been able to see you, Lord. What a mighty God you are. The things that so many other brothers and sisters throughout the ceaseless ages would have given anything to live in this day to see the open book of this day, to, to fellowship with you like we get to, Lord. And how blessed we are. Let us never forget, Father, how blessed we are. That'll keep us from being discouraged. That'll keep us from being down, Lord. The King of glory is a constantly moving in our lives and revealing himself to us, defending us, protecting us, providing for us, healing us, making a way for us. Oh, we love you for that this morning. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would help them as they go their separate ways, Lord, that you would bless them in their walk with you, that they would come to know you in a way, Lord, that they never even thought could be done, Lord, more and more and more each day. Bless each one of them, Lord. Bless them for their faithfulness, Lord. Bless them for pulling on your word, for watering your word, Lord, with your, their amen. Bless them for that, Lord. Have your way in our lives. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness, Lord. In your precious, lovely name, amen. Amen. Oh, he never promised that the cross and not the hill be hard to
Many broken ones just waiting for their answers to oh, to those who grown weary. Oh, I've got good news. Just hold on and be strong. Keep trusting it's true. The healer. Hasn't lost his truth. He's still the Almighty and the unchanging God. The power is still shown. I don't win. I don't know how, but I know this much. But he burned, he has lost his heart. I've seen and a voice crying out to be faithful. Oh, I fell. Oh, be helpless this is my story. The healer, he has lost his He's still the Almighty and the unchanging God. The power is still showing through. Well, I don't know when and I don't know how. 